0: It's actually, um, even though we're not going according to, uh, we're not going to according to our calendar. We're just learning the Sefer there. So this Sefer bar Hashem, it always works out that there's something in the piece that's relevant to the times. I don't know how it works. Even if you're reading the wrong piece at the wrong time, you're reading the right piece at the right time. So we're right before Yom Kippur. you will see it dovetails together very beautifully. The Pasakin Bayit says says, <laughs> that Hashem was watching over Yaqavinu. Piresh <laughs> Rashi Shamra. What does it mean that he was watching over him? He was guarding over him. This is the Khidash of Rashi. <laughs> so number one. Why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself have to watch over Yaakov V'nu? Malachim are going up and down the ladder. So let the Malachim watch over Yaakov V'nu. It's a very kasha, but it's a beautiful kasha. Later on, the Pasuk repeats, and it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu again is shomer, shomer on Yaakov V'nu. kan nitzav so again, we see the concept here that Hakadosh Baruch is being shomer and Yaakov and he asks, maybe you'll say, maybe you'll suggest that the second shemira that's for the road. Yaakov Avinu is journeying. This shemira is for the road, and this shemira is for tonight, the night where the malachim are going up and down the ladder. Still, he says. Why does he need two shmiras? Have a Malach be Shemir on him now, and have that Malach go with him, and be Shemir Yaakov Avinu ala derech. So just to reiterate the two questions, number one, why is it that HaKadosh Baruch is Shemir on Yaakov Avinu? Why not a Malach? And why are there base Shmiros? Why are there two Shmiros? Let there be one Shmirah, and that Shmirah will go with him. So here, here the Rebbe brings Medrash, and Rabbi. It's possible that we can suggest, based on one of the opinions in the Medrash, Medrash says, who are these Malachim going up and down the ladder? So it's different opinions. One of the shitas is that these are the Malachim of the nations of the world. And what does it mean that they're going up and down? what happens historically we know this is true the major says it the malachim are going up and down what does up and down mean it means that these malachim are fighting with each other it means that that germany and italy and uh, and russia and china are on one side and it means that you know, England and America and Canada and France and everybody else is on the other side. And these malachah are going to war with each other. And inevitably, who does it get blamed on? And who ends up in the cross virus? It ends up the Jews. This is historically what happened. I saw very early on, I knew it was going to happen. I think I even called it. I think I said it out loud. When the war broke out between Russia and Ukraine, I said it's going to be Rabbi Nachman's fault. I don't know exactly how they're going to tie it in, but it's going to be Rabbi Nachman's fault. And right away, they started saying, which Jews are going to come? And this is really, this is him, this is a Jew, and it's against another Jew. And it became, like, how in the world? We're a tiny little people. We have nothing to do with anything. We're sitting here in a small little corner of the world, and it's every single fight. It's, some, it's somehow something to do with the Jews. This is the way of the world. When, when, the, when the nations of the world war with each other, somehow we end up in between. And in such a case, the words again, the words of, of the rabbi here, as tzarech isha yisraeli a Jew in these times needs needs Hashem. It's not enough for a malach to protect. As ma'isa, as ma'isa with Rav Chaim a beautiful ma'isa. They came to Rav Chaim to sign on a chirum against the Hasidim after the Vilna Gaon died. The Vilna Gaon signed seven different herems in his life against the Hasidim. Because he didn't want it to be said at any point that he gave in. You know, like, uh, after a person dies, everybody says, you know, like, oh, he was a Kadosh Elyon. He was an amazing person. There's lots of revisionist history after a person dies. So the grow is afraid that he's gonna die and the Hasidim are gonna say, Really, at the end of his life, there'll be some sort of Hasidah so really at the end of his life, he did meet the outer rebbe and he turned around, and he became the biggest fan of Hasidahs, so he signed Chayim after Chayim after Chayim, that nobody should think that the Grah wasn't the chassidus. It was the greatest gift that the Grah gave the world, because the Grah kept Hasidahs on the straight and narrow, and that's what allowed Hasidahs to come into the world. Chafiz Chaim said that, from Rav Elchano Masra. Anyway, the Grah signed many, many times. After his death, they went to Rav Chaim Velazhiner and they said, Sayyina sign a Cherem. We have to keep it going. The G'ra died. We have to make sure. Keep it going. So Rav Chaim Velazhiner refused. Rav Chaim Velazhiner was the premier Talmud of the G'ra. So they couldn't understand. They said, Rabbi, you don't hold like you're You're okay with the Hasidim? like, what are you doing over here? So Rav Chaim Velazhiner answered. He said, what do you mean? It's a Pasuk and Chumash. He said, Hashem came to Avram Avinu, and said, go do Akeidas Yitzchak, go kill Yitzchak. But when it came time to stop him from killing Yitzchak, he sent a Malach. So Reb Chaim asked, why when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him to go kill Yitzchak, did he come himself? But when he tells him to stop, it's only through a Malach. So Reb Chaim says, must be, that if you're going to kill someone, you can't trust a Malach. That you need to hear from Hashem himself. But to stop from killing somebody, you only need to hear from a Malach. So he said, my Rebbe killed the Hasidim. My Rebbe was a Malach Hashem. For sure he heard it from Hashem that he should put the Hasidim in Cherim. But me, I only heard from my Rebbe. I only heard it from a Malach. So I have no right to sign on the Cherim to kill the Hasidim because I only heard it from my Rebbe who is a Malach. I didn't hear it from Hashem. In other words, when a person has the Shmir, because you ask yourself, what's really the difference between a Shmir of a Malach and a Shmir of Hashem? Hashem's Hashem, a Malach is a Malach, but isn't really a Malach like much, like, much closer to Hashem? A Malach has no Bechir HaKofshis. Whatever a Malach does is what Hashem wants. So why do we need, this is, this is really the, the implied question here, why do we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself to protect us in times that the Gaim are fighting? HaKadosh Baruch Hu has got the Malachim. He could send down the Malachim and the Malachim could protect us. The Territ is in these situations of Rachem in these situations where things are mamish, like totally topsy-turvy, you need HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. Even though a Malach is an expression of the Rabbanu Shalom, without any Bechira Choshes, it's not called Hashem. A Malach is a Bria. It's a Bria that because it sees Hashem so clearly, it has no Bechira. But it's not Hashem, Bechvay Dei It's like HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim, Bechvay Anivalei Malach, the Haggadah says, right? I took a I took you out of Mitzrayim, not even a Malach. But a Malach is you, but it's still a Bria. The Chiddush that the Eish Kodesh is saying, that his understanding of the Madrush, is that when the Malachim are going up and down, the Hainu, when the, when the nations of the world are fighting, there's no such thing as a Malach being enough. This needs to be Hashem himself. It can't be through any medium. It can't be through any creation. Hashem himself has to intervene. A malach is very impatient. A malach has no tolerance for sin. A malach has no tolerance for sin because a malach sees emes. That's a when a malach is in the world, a malach sees emes. There are certain Sadiqim that are like this. That all they see is emes. See, this is emes, this is sheker, and that's the way they hold. There's no, there's no, there's no midah of rachimim, not because there's no midah of rachimim itself, but because they say, this is the truth. You ever meet people like that? Like, they're very dogmatic. They have like a very clear vision of, like, this is the truth. There's something very beautiful about that, no? There's something very attractive. Uh, a haver of mine, he sent his son to a certain yeshiva. Happens to be this is a very complex person. He's a very, like, thoughtful, nuanced, subtle person. So he went to his son's yeshiva. It's one of these Israeli joints, you know? And he said the mashkiach there was giving, like, fire and brimstone muscle. So I said, what does a complex man like yourself... Feel. Like when you're hearing that like dogmatic like this is the MS type of muster So I was very surprised by to hear this especially from him, but he was he was right in a certain way he said In a certain way, it's very attractive Like when you're young you like to hear things like that No, remember like you like to hear that review that comes and says this is right and this is wrong and it's very safe for us It's very like we're 18 years old, or 19 years old, we're like, oh, right, wrong, I can do this, I can follow these rules, I can be a good person, right, just tell me what to do. And you get older, and then somebody comes along and says, wait, there's shades of gray, and it messes up your whole world. You're like, wait a second, so both sides could be right, everybody's right, nobody's right, how do I do this, how do I, like, love every Jew? The, the issues become much more complex. There's certain tzaddikim, they're malokhin, They have no. they have no sense of, like, you did the wrong thing, now you're going to be held accountable, period. But this is not the way, this is not the way of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ha-Kadosh Baruch Hu is exceptionally merciful. I told you what I am Kippur. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is exceptionally merciful. the I am the God of your forefathers. So here the Rebbe says a beautiful thing. You have a Jew, and this Jew has no affiliation whatsoever. He has nothing. There's no reason for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to forgive him for all the aviars that he's done. And look what he says. You're not in a state of being where you could say, this is my God. You've done nothing in your life to say that this is your God. You're not living in that way. Even in such a case, a yid is a yid. <laughs> and we're born of Avram and and we have Sosavos. And, and it's an amazing thing, I was talking to a boy this week, it was an amazing amazing story, a, it, I can't get into all the details because it would be inappropriate, but it was a boy who went completely off the derch, uh, not completely off the dark, like you know, like um, like today's kids go like a little off the dark and they call themselves off the dark. you know what I'm talking about, like, they're not Shomer anymore so they say I'm off the derch, you know, like they're on their phones on Shabbos, that's it, they ate a cheeseburger, you know, there was no like shades of grey, this, this boy was finished, you know. So he told an unbelievable mice so he met some some Svardishagadal who like shook his hand and started crying with him and just sat there and cried with him. The boy did a complete 180. There was nothing in his life he said openly, he said to me this week, he said, There was nothing in my life that there was any justification for that his, he didn't use the word hisiras because he doesn't know that word yet, but it was there was no reason for that sense of awakening that occurred with him. It didn't exist. There's such a thing as Baruch who takes care of us. We, we know this because we're probably at an age already where we have this, but uh, I, gr- I grew up like this. My um, my father's best friend, his name is Hyman. And uh, Hyman and Toby, my aunt and uncle Kivu, right, they loved me, I knew that they loved me. I knew that if I ever ran into them, they lived in Connecticut, I lived in the five towns, we weren't bumping into each other, five towns people don't leave the five towns, certainly not to go to Connecticut. Even New Jersey is a trip for us. But even to go to the city is a trip for us. West Hempstead already is like, why bother, right? But there's a certain, uh, if I knew if I was ever stuck in Connecticut, like these people would take me in, no questions asked. I knew that if, if Chas R'som something that happened to my entire family, Hyman and Toby would take me in. What did I do to deserve such love? Nothing. But if we love the father, we love the children. So like Kaddosh Baruch who fell deeply in love. I know it sounds like a funny thing to say, but it's true. HaKadosh Baruch Hu fell deeply in love with Avram Avinu. Abraham Avinu came and said, Your mission is my mission. I care what you have to care about. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu fell in love with all of his children. And all of us are the children of the Rabbani And this is what he says. Even if we have no s'chuyos ourselves, kam Yaakov Avinu in that moment, when, when the Malachim are Olam, the v'yardim, when all of the nations of the world are at war with each other, and there's no s'chuyos for us whatsoever. It's it's yidden that have totally assimilated. That in the times... We, we know, again, there's a lot of revisionist history that everything was perfect before World War II. Every single Jew was from, nobody was ever above the there was no problems. Okay, I'm not sure why they forgot about the Enlightenment and the reform movement and the conservative movement, but there were certainly Yidn that were totally estranged from Judaism in the Warsaw Ghetto. And there were probably Jews in the audience. There were probably Jews that were there listening to, to the Ish Kodesh and, and saying to themselves, like, like, okay, now I'm being called a Jew, and I'm being huddled into the Warsaw Ghetto, and 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 what do I have to do with this? Like, what? What's your issue with me? I never had anything to do with this. And certainly there's no schuss. There's no schuss for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be shame around these Jews. There's one schuss. They're Yid. And, and that might be the best schuss. If you have a schuss that you earned, is it really a schuss? It's like... We spoke about this a little bit last week, but... If you did something and you're getting paid back for it, so did you really did you really earn it? You didn't really earn it. It's like, uh, it's like if, if my daughter gets a really good grade on her report card and I tell her, okay, if you're going to get a really good grade, we're going to go out to Masubin. By the way, keep that in mind. That's a good, that's like okay. a good one. It's like, I don't know how, somehow Masubin has lasted in our neighborhood. No restaurant has lasted in Beit Shamash for decades. Masubin has stood the test of time. So then I take her out to you. I say, you see, you see I love you very much. I took you out to you. She goes, you owe me that. I did good on my report card. I'm like, I owe you that? Okay, but say that. that's like, uh, it's a different conversation. Uh, we don't owe our children anything. But sometimes we just love our children, not because of anything that they've done. There's, an, there's a love of atzmias. There's a love of you're you, and I love you for no other reason other than the fact that you're you. And in, in many ways, that's a greater type of love. The love that Hakadosh Baruch has for us—not that we've earned, but simply because we're the children of Avram and Yaakov—in a certain way is much more beautiful than the love that comes because of any mitzvah that we've done. Does that make sense? It's—it's I—I it's, I love you. Why do I love you? I loved your whole family. It's—it's. It's, uh, we we know it when we get older. We know like those are. That's it's like. Um, my parents, it's a funny thing, my, my there's a girl that lives by my house. Not really lives by my house, but lives by my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, she spends more time in my house than in her house. Awake. She sleeps in her house. But she, and even then, a lot of times, she sleeps in my house. And it's been for years. She my much across the street neighbor. My parents love her. I'm like, you don't even, like, you don't, you don't know her. You don't spend time with her. She's like, yeah, but she's a she's good friend. You know, She's Rachel's good friend. She lives in your house. She's like my granddaughter. You know, like, when you ever see grandparents adopt, you ever do this? You ever adopt grandchildren that are not your own? Some grandparents adopt the whole neighborhood, No, It's like she's everybody's bubby. There's, there's a personality like that. It's like everybody's 80s, like the candy man in shul, who's like a million years old, and he's giving out candies from the time that he was 20 years old himself. You know, those like rock hard candies. And uh, I think they got sophisticated today. They like give out like nice candies. But when I was a kid, it was like, you want like a rock hard candy that'll break your whole tooth? That, that guy will give it to you. And he, he was like a thousand years old back then. I, I don't know if he ever died. he could be still going. <laughs> There's, there's somebody who's like just takes everybody in. I, but you did nothing. Why am I taking you in? Because you're you. Because I know your parents, because I know your grandparents. I start to play that game in yeshiva now. I'm at the age now where my friend's kids are sending their kids to medassaret. So I'm like, you, I remember when your dad got expelled from some camp. I remember when your dad got suspended from yeshiva. Like, oh, yeah, come, you'll be good, you'll be good. You know, it's like, uh, there's a love that you have for these kids for no reason at all. It's a beautiful type of love. Vinekamitchila kasev ani Hashem. This is this is heart wrenching, beautiful heart wrenching stuff that the Reb is going to teach us now. Vinekamitchila kasev ani Hashem. The other kasev aniichi yimcha. So the Reb is medayik. In the first pasuk, it says Sheim Hashem, ani Hashem, ani Hashem, I am Hashem. Afterwards, it says aniichi. So the Rebbe here is going to point to the difference between what's ani and what's anaichi. seems like it's the same word, right? Ani, anaichi, it's all the I. <coughs> the difference between the ani and the anaichi is the V'yisub Umar Shabbos. Anaichi naitriken ananafshi k'savos ya'avos. Umar Shabbos says that the word anaichi is naitriken. I think they call it in English an acrostic. There's certain words that we only know because of art scrolls. Nobody knew the word acrostic or juxtaposition before before art school. There's, there's art school words. So anaychi is an acrostic for Ananashik Savas Yahavas, which means I wrote my essence, my soul, into the Torah. That's what the Torah is. The Torah is not the Torah is not the expression of Hashem. The Torah is Hashem. Because Hashem, just to give it for a second just to make sure we all have this Hashkafa. Hashem does not have parts. So you cannot say Hashem is wise, right? Because like we are wise, because you could say there's me and my wisdom. You can't say about Hashem he is wise. The only thing you could say about Hashem is he is one with his wisdom, right? Which we don't. Which, as the Rambam says, no person could possibly understand. What does that mean? He is one with his wisdom. We have wisdom as a part. Hashem is one. If the Torah is the wisdom of Hashem, then what does that make the Torah? That's him, because Hashem is one with his wisdom. So if Hashem is one with His wisdom, and the Torah is the wisdom of Hashem, then the Torah is Hashem. So when He says when the Gemara says Savas it means I wrote my essence into the Torah. I didn't just write like thoughts that I had. These are not just like fancies that I wrote down in a diary. This is like I gave you my everything. It's the difference between good poetry and great poetry. Every great poetry, great poetry is unbelievable. Great poetry is like stirring. The difference in good poetry and great poetry is not. It's not the cadence of the lines. It's you could you could feel the author's pain when they're writing. You could feel the author's like, like they were crying bitter tears when they wrote wrote those words down. That's unnashik salvus yahavus. It's it's also it's with music too. It's the different. I don't want. to, I won't say any. I won't say any um, musicians. I don't want to start any fights. But um, you know what, you know what, uh, like those like uh, I know Miami Boys Choir got famous on TikTok. <laughs> The whole world is hacking about my boys Boyz choir. This is for sure, Mashiach's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds of millions of of Ga'um are dancing, are dancing so. to to Yerushalayim. It's like you probably have anti-Zionists in Berkeley that are going Yerushalayim. You know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not I'm not. I'm not saying bad about anybody. I'm really saying good about some people. But you know, I'm talking about like the Jewish boy bands. You know, like it's like a, it's like bad music. I was like, it's, there's nothing Jewish about it. There's nothing like. There's nothing soulful about it. And then there's like, there's music. I'm used to say music in G minor. There's music that like, that you close your eyes when you sing it, and you and you, and you dance in a certain type of way, and and it moves you in a certain type of way. I had a the schuss. Has anybody here ever heard of Mordechai Finkelman? Chava, 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 Chava. He's a he's a gem, gem, gem of a Jew. He's, he's a, one of the real, real tzaddikim. He's done his best in his life to stay hidden as much as possible. In America, he's known now. He's a Talmud of Moshe Wolfson, a real, real, real special person. So now he's a big mashkiach, but he was my seventh grade rabbi. And it was like, he was one of those people that like tried to stay hidden. Like, yeah, I'll teach elementary school. Give me, put me wherever you put me. It was like, I, I remember that our eighth grade rabbi who was a big Talmud used to get down on the floor and kiss the place where he davened. And he wasn't joking. Like, it was like a real... Like, to watch Rabbi think Mendavin was... It was like watching a reed sway in the wind. Like, it was the most gentle, beautiful thing in the world. And he used to walk out of bar mitzvahs, just to show you how far Jewish music has come. If we put on um, Mashiach, Mashiach, Mashiach... He's like, it sounds like Gaish music. And I remember being in seventh grade going, Rabbi, that seems extreme. But he called it. He called it pretty good. He knew what was coming. It's, it's not so posh What's happening today But then you have Bar Hashem So many musicians On the other side Musicians like Like Rav Weinberger I heard in a, in a clip That I saw from him Just now I was talking about The Seder Havida From from Yishai Riba And he said like More Jews have come close To Yom Kippur From that song Than from any shmuz That any rabbi Has ever given No there's a certain Like soulful It's not it's, You can't sing Somebody else's words Like that They have to be yours They have to be something That like came from within you, and you give it your whole chayis. This is ananafshi, ksavos, yehavos. So shenimsa, she'ani, hu baloi, ksavos. When Hashem says, ani, that's I, but without the writing. When Hashem says, anaychi, that's I, but with the writing. Ki achilik b'in haksav v'hadibor, v'hadibor, hu'shmash anekhtav nishar gam achar sh'asu hap'uula, v'hadibor rak b'sha'asham adabrim shayim. What's the difference between writing and listening? What's the difference between writing and listening? If you listen to your husband tell you I love you, that's a very beautiful thing. But if he writes you a letter, that's much more beautiful, no? Because from time to time, you'll go into that little shoebox that you have, of all the little trinkets that you have from all the things that you've kept. And I know some people are some people are more into that and some people are less into that. I, I have a nephew who just married my niece, and he's like a, he's like a pack rat. So he like saved every single thing from every single date. And she's not like that at all. She's like, could you just throw that out? let take up space in our apartment. And I'm like, could you just leave him? He's a nice guy. You know. But there's, you see, there's times that a couple goes back, they're married 20, 30, 40 years, they go back to those letters that they wrote each other when they were dating and engaged, when they had everything figured out before life actually happened. There's something very beautiful about reading those, no? It, it stays with you. That's the difference between Sav and Dibur. If the person says, I love you, it's like, okay, thank you so much. And you take it in, you do. But does it stay with you? doesn't necessarily stay with you, which is why sometimes there are people who for whatever reason are hurt in their life, and it doesn't matter how many times we say I love you to them, it doesn't matter how many times they hear it, they feel like they never hear it. And they say that you never say I love you. And you're looking at them going, what are you talking about? <laughs> I say I love you all the time. And it's not like when a guy says I love you, but he hasn't said I love you in five years, but he just thinks he said I love you because he doesn't know how to communicate. No, we're talking about an actual human being who knows how to say the words I love you to another person. But there are some people that they, they have no capacity to take it in. That's the nature of d word. It doesn't necessarily stay with you. But when you write something, not an email. Not an email. I'm not talking about where you have a special thing in your thing like letters you know, like on the side next to your spam. I'm talking about when you actually wrote did any of you, anybody, you, you and I wrote, that. any of you write? You wrote? Yeah, you wrote? It's not a, it's a funny thing. In camp, they didn't make you write letters. you sent emails, probably. you sent emails to your parents from camp. You wrote, yeah? You have to write. You had a postcard, they gave you postcards. It made Oh my gosh. No, it was like a whole thing, you make a postcard, it was like a whole activity. I went to the cheapest camp, you know, they give us a piece of paper to make a postcard. <laughs> yeah. There's something very beautiful about writing those letters. It's something I wrote my daughter's letters before they went to seminary. They, they go to seminary in Uphakim. So like I hide the letters in there uh, in different places for them to find over the you know when they get there. It's something beautiful, that you. you wrote it, it stays with you. It's something you put away forever. This is what the Gamaram Psacham means when it says that we don't pronounce the Shem Hashem. Why don't we pronounce the Shema Hashem? Why don't we say Yetkevothke? Why do we say the Shema Admas? Why do we call Hashem our master and not use his actual name? But we know in the Beis Hamikdash the Kohen God did say Ha-Kadosh Baruch Hu's name. So what's the difference? Here the Rebbe says a beautiful Chiddush normally we can't say Hashem's name because it doesn't stay with you. You say it, and then it leaves. To say something that's not going to have Qiyum and to say the Shem Hashem, Hashem it, it can't be. The Shem Hashem is Kium. Uh, Hashem is life. Hashem is all of existence. So to say Hashem's name and for it not to have kium, for it to be something that you hear and it, gives, it goes one ear and out the other, you can't say Hashem's name like that. But in the Beis HaMekdosh, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu was revealed... So when the kohen gadol would say Hashem's name, it had the din of Ksiva. It was he was writing it to us. It was something that you left with. You took it with you. It had kiyum to it. That was what it was like to be in the Beis Hamikdash. Which bechla when people say like okay like what are we mourning for the Beis Hamikdash? We're not mourning for the for the brick and mortar of the Beis Hamikdash. We're mourning for the experience that didn't have today, that, that the the their entire Yiddishkeit is the bechina of dibur, that all of Today, and this is what people want more than anything, people just want it to last. I'm having these conversations now with all the boys at the beginning of their Shana, and they're in that good place where they're like, Rabbi, how can we make the most out of this year? You know, they have like that sort of anxiety adjustment issues that they're going through, so they want to make the most out of their year. And, and what they're saying, and they'll say these words, is I'm tired of going up and down. I'm tired of going up and down in my Yiddish grade and I have to break the news to them, that that's going to be forever. <laughs> but it's, it's like, no, 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 Rebbe, I think I could do it. That's What what we all really want is the Bechen of Beis We want to be able to say, I'm with you, and I don't want to have any more lapses in this relationship. That it should just be that it's the Bechen of Ksiva, that I can look at it and it's clear as day, and I can see the Hashem written down in front of me, and HaKadosh Baruch presence and his love and his compassion and his warmth will be felt in every single thing that we do. This is what everybody's looking for. So therefore, in the Beis HaMikdash, it was possible to say Hashem's name. Because in the Beis HaMikdash, when you spoke, it was like it was written on your soul. You walked away with it. However, now, when speech is just speech and it doesn't, it doesn't get written down, it doesn't stay with you, that feeling of, of kedusha that we have inside of us, it weakens. So we're not allowed to say Hashem's name. We're not allowed to say Hashem's name because, because it won't be real to us to say Hashem's name. Because because in five minutes from now, everything that we just inspired by is completely gone. It's like, um, what's that joke that they say on Yom Kippur? On Yom Kippur, we say Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso Leolam Vod out loud. We don't we don't say it quietly, because on this day we're like a malach. We can say Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso Leolam Vod out loud. So they ask the question: Why, by myrav of Yom Kippur, why do you say Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso Leolam Vod quietly? Thirty seconds ago, you were saying nila. So now all of a sudden you're saying Baruch Shem Kavod Malchuso Leolam Vod out loud. So there's different yeshivas' jokes to answer this question. It's because of all the Lash and that you spoke about the chazan on Yom Kippur. He went too slow. He went too fast. I didn't like this nigga. I didn't like that nusach. So already you're not on the bechen of a malach anymore. It's because we're running to go eat. That's also, you know, like we're already out of the world. But the emesis, the emesis because it doesn't last. Because that's because we're going back into the world. That's the, uh, that's the beauty of, of yeah. Shemini Simchas The beauty Baruch Hu says, stay with me one more day. I can't bear to leave you. Can't bear to be away from you. It's uh, it's completely illogical. It's like that couple that they that they they know they'll see each other again soon. But it's like I, I don't I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go. So for us for us, the the inspiration doesn't last. It's <laughs> Everything we're doing is we hear it, we hear it, it does, it inspires us, it has an impact. But then it leaves when we go back to our regularly scheduled program. And here's where the here's where the Ish Kodesh is just heartbreaking. He says, He says, And now in this time where we're in so much pain. And we're sitting in a time where the these sarim, these malachim of the umma these nations of the world are going up and down, and they're fighting each other. me and because because what happens in times of great pain, and this is the unfortunate reality of our world, in, the, in times of great pain, we're forced into a posture of openness. We're forced into a posture of feeling. Because you have no choice. You'll either crumble from the pain or you'll submit to the pain. And even if you crumble from the pain, then the next thing is to submit to the pain. Because at some point you can't. I had a boy in my office this week. He's suffering terribly. And it's it's a paha to see how badly he's suffering. And I, I I feel I feel for him very deeply. And he's um he does not believe that there's anybody in the world that loves him. And he's not it's not like uh he's not saying like uh eh, nobody loves me. He's saying there's nobody in the world that loves me. And I pressed him. I said, When's the last time you had a conversation with your father? He said, The first time I had a conversation with my father was right before I left the yeshiva. So that was the first time. He so said, for years, I pushed I haven't seen my father. Cause I, I come home after my He told me, I come home after my mother. He said, My mother's locked in her room. We barely speak. And he has tremendous resentment against his brothers and his sisters. It's a, it's a, it's a wild story. But his mom, he is alone in the world. You know, this, like that story they say about uh, the father that gives the kid the credit card and he says, You can buy whatever you want, but you can't speak to me? That's this kid. He's got a credit card. He's got nobody in the world that loves him. And because because he did not want to submit to the pain that he's been feeling for the last couple of years. So you know, you know how it goes, you know what they do. They're gonna figure out ways to numb that pain, to make sure that they don't just get destroyed by the pain. So all the things you're thinking of, he did all of those things. All the things that a person would do to numb those pains at that age. The boy himself, he doesn't know. Like, I'm telling him it's okay, you're a human being. Like, You did this, you're normal. This is what anybody would have done in your situation. And he's sitting there telling me, no, Rabbi, I'm a terrible Jew. I'm like, you're not a terrible Jew, you're, you're a person in terrible pain. It's like you don't understand. Maybe. I did so many avers. I said, you didn't do one aver in your entire life. What are you talking about? You just you, you don't know how to manage the pain that you're holding. This is the only this is the only way that you could go through this is to stop doing those things that you're doing and to open up and to actually experience what's happening. And he, he's going to do it. He's going he's going to be unbelievable. His mom he, this kid could be incredible if he's going if he'll open himself up to the pain. This is this is I believe what the H Kodesh was doing. And again, every week when we learn these things, I'm sitting there blown away by how the Rebbe was so in tune to the needs, the psychological, the, the soulful needs of the of the chevr there. But this is what he's telling him. We're in a state where we're so open emotionally and we, we, we're standing, we're machni ourselves before Hashem, our hearts are open. And and we're standing in awe of you, Hashem, and we want so deeply to connect to you. So now we need to etch all of these words into our heart. He so because our heart is so open, because it's such a time of of, tzar, of so much pain in our lives, so now is the time where we need to etch these diburim into our heart. <speaking> in <Hebrew> he says, there's no doubt Hashem is going to help us quickly, even though the Yishtudish didn't make it through the war. But he says he was sure. There's no doubt that Hashem is going to help us quickly. <speaking in Hebrew> He's saying there's an opportunity here, which is also a tremendous thing, to give people value and meaning in their suffering, and to be able to say this is an opportunity that you can't get anything without this opportunity. He's saying right now we're in a zman where HaKadosh Baruch Hu has put us in a mitzah, he's put us in the straits, and we're in so much pain, and our hearts are so open. He said there's an unbelievable opportunity now to take this feeling that you have, that you're machniyah yourself, that you know that there's nowhere else to turn except for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to say... I, I, I need this to last because very soon this war is going to be over. Very soon these, these malachim, these umas olam are not going to be fighting with each other. And what will be in 10 years from now? Will you still feel that same feeling that you have in the Warsaw Ghetto when you're surrounded by the Nazis in and you have nowhere else to turn but HaKadosh Baruch will you take that with you? We have to, he says, we have to make that, we have to etch that into our hearts. There has to be a Chakika. We have to take them from being Diburim to being Siva. And now he ties it back to our original, to our original question. He says, First it says, Ani, And then it says, Anoichi. I need to move in my life from being an Ani to being an Anoichi. I start off in a situation of there's no ksivo, all there is is diburim. All there is is Hashem talking to me, and I hear it, and it goes into my heart, and then it goes out, and it doesn't last. He says, no, it needs to go from being an ani to anaychi. That's why there's two shmiras. There's a shmir of ani, and there's a shmir of anaychi. When the malachim are Hashem himself is watching us, but it needs to go from being, it's something that I hear, to something that I live. kasev va'az anaychi that it should become something like the Baisa Middash, that it should be written inside of us. And then the As-Sashem, the Anochi, will stay with us forever.